A word for today, Lions Down's daily podcast to help you abide in Jesus by seeing to it that his word abides in you. Nothing could matter more. This isn't to replace your personal Bible reading and prayer, but rather encourage and help you in it. It was the night before Christmas when all through the house not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. The stockings were hung by the chimney with care in hopes that St. Nicholas soon would be there. Thus starts the poem, A Visit from St. Nicholas. Uh, The poem continues uh, later on with the child actually meeting uh, St. Nicholas or Santa Claus, who is described in this way. He had a broad face and a little round belly that shook when he laughed like a bowl full of jelly. He was chubby and plump, a right jolly old elf, and I laughed when I saw him in spite of myself. A wink of his eye and a twist of his head soon gave me to know I had nothing to dread. He spoke not a word, but went straight to his work and filled all the stockings, then turned with a jerk, and laying his finger aside of his nose and giving a nod, up the chimney he rose. He sprang to his sleigh, to his team gave a whistle, and away they all flew like the down of a thistle. But I heard him exclaim, ere he drove out of sight, Happy Christmas to all! And to all, a good night. It's Monday the 14th of December, and that definitely is not the Word of God, but it's going to help us understand the Word of God, I hope. That poem, A Visit from St. Nicholas, was written in, uh, or first published in 1822, written by Clement Clark Moore. And it's a significant poem. I remember it actually being excited by it as a child myself. Um, It marked a shift towards a secularization of Christmas. Remember, this is in the first half of the 19th century, when the celebration of the birth of Christ changed its emphasis into a focus on the myth of Santa Claus. It's worth uh, noting, isn't it, that uh, Santa Claus, St. Nicholas, isn't even human, according uh, to this poem. He's a right jolly old elf. He's a... another type of creature. And uh, this myth of Santa Claus and the exchanging of presents was really marked by um, this poem in many people's view. And uh, this was when seasonal Christmas shopping began to assume an economic importance and when the commercialization of Christmas first began, some believe. Uh, This did not go unnoticed or unobjected to um, and voices were raised at the time, that uh, criticized this move away from biblical truth to myth that uh, involved the exchanging of presents. Um, The voices that captured this movement that we now see in a full-blown commercialization of Christmas are perhaps uh, best expressed by a notable author of the 19th century, a religious philanthropist named Harriet Beecher Stowe, and uh, she said this, To give up one's very self to think only of others, how to bring the greatest happiness to others, that is the true meaning of Christmas. You see, she was pressing against this idea of uh, exchanging of gifts and uh, the Uh, celebration of Santa Claus and that sort of thing. She's saying, no, it's all about selflessness and thinking 
of others. Well, how she ended that quote, the true meaning of Christmas is, of course, the quarry uh, that we are after in this little series. We're going to be considering this over the next three weeks, up to uh, and including Christmas Day. The true meaning of Christmas. That would be the title of this series, if it was to have a series. But how are we going to discover the true meaning of Christmas? Are we going to look back into history, as I've just done, or are we going to do something else? Well, of course, we're going to look at the Word of God, the sure revelation of God that explains all things. And the material we're going to use is the opening of Matthew's Gospel. We're going to be looking at that uh, this week, and we're going to be continuing on in Matthew's Gospel from that point for uh, next week and indeed the week after that. Now, if you were to open your Bibles at Matthew chapter 1, you would see that verses 1 to 17 are presented as a genealogy. That simply means a family tree. And the common uh, response to that is to skip it, to say, well, there can't be uh, interest in just a list of names. Of course, it serves an importance. It shows us that Jesus Christ is indeed historical and that the Bible is rooted in historical truth. And that, of course, would be true. But the temptation is to see it otherwise as just an obstruction or an obstacle to be surmounted to get as quickly as possible to verse 18, where we get to the real business, which teaches us about the birth of Jesus Christ. Well, we will be getting to verse 18 in due course, but I don't believe it's respectful to the Word of God to see those first 17 verses of Matthew's Gospel as something that can legitimately just be skipped over in passing. I mean, consider their significance. In the providence of God, Matthew's Gospel is, in the arrangement of books of the New Testament that comes to us, the first book of the New Testament. And uh, they represent, in effect, the first words of God after 400 years of silence. They follow the intertestamental period where God did not speak. And uh, if I was to uh, have a friend who had lost touch with me for 10 years and then wrote me a letter, I would read every page of that letter. I wouldn't throw away the first page and say, well, that can't be of importance. I would actually read that first page with a special interest because it would set the context for what lay ahead. It would probably give me an explanation for why uh, my friend hadn't written to me in the past. I would see that first page as essential to understanding what came after. Uh, why shouldn't God be any different? So we're going to treat those first 17 verses of Matthew's Gospel in the days that lie ahead with respect. And we're going to see that um, the first verse, which I'm going to read to you now, um, is actually one that needs to be very carefully understood if we're to make sense, not only of uh, the rest of the passage, but indeed the rest of the New Testament and indeed the message of the whole Bible. So let me now read to you Matthew chapter 1, verse 1. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And uh, that uh, word genealogy is the word on which our understanding is going to hang. As I've already said, 
genealogy uh, means family tree in English. But is that the word it's translating from the original language, the Greek? We'll come back to that tomorrow. And what we're going to see is it presents an epic message of, of an importance that could not be surpassed in any way. An everlasting importance of ultimate breadth and depth. And uh, I pray that we will enjoy it and be delighted with it as we study uh, through these words the true meaning of Christmas. Loving Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your revelation that speaks to us in ways that are ultimately significant, that tells us the truths that you, the Creator, want us to understand and receive. In these days that lie ahead, please would you give us an understanding that we need. Please give us hearts to receive and live out your wonderful word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. A word for today, helping you abide in Jesus by seeing to it that his word abides in you. This podcast was brought to you by Lionsdown at lionsdown.org.